Hey, I'm Mutita Panmuk, your business operation strategist. I help six to seven figure service-based entrepreneur to get back at least 10 hours a week with Get Unstuck Method. You are in the right place if you want to scale your business that support your lifestyle. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter at beforeyouscale.com. And it's time. Let's get unstuck. Hi everyone, so please welcome Michael Bryan with me today for the second time. And if you haven't checked the first episode that we did together, let me introduce Michael again. So he's a speaker, author, and entrepreneur that has chitic fibrosis and diabetes, but hasn't left that stop him at all. So as you can see here, he's really outspoken right now. If you follow him in his social media, you will see him doing live every single day, sharing very positive thing and very inspiring. So welcome again. Yeah, it's great, uh, great to be a guest. Looking forward to sharing my insights again. Second time, better, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it's always going to be better and better every time to speak with you. So tell us a little bit like, who you were before for those who haven't like cashed up for the last episode? Well, I started very, very quiet, I guess. I was very, I had to be used to my own company and I had to get used to like the, the stories that you tell yourself and being happy like alone in some ways because when I was growing up I had health conditions so cystic fibrosis as you mentioned before that meant that I always felt different but it was different in a way that like I couldn't really change it either so it's not like I'm different and it's my hair color or I'm different and it's like I'm bigger than other kids or, or whatever it was. It was I'm different and I can't really do anything about it. So very early on, I knew that I was different from all the other kids. I knew that there's a lot of things that I had to do, like medicines and treatments and all those things just to get by, just to be seen as like everybody else, just to be seen as someone that was happy and being a kid, you know, being like a five-year-old running around after people and playing games and eating too much and all that stuff, you know, to be able to feel like that, despite realizing that you've got this extra thing behind closed doors that no one really knows about, that's the challenge. That's the challenge that I had to live with. Started off, my parents had to do it which meant that as I got older, it became habit to a certain degree, but so did being happy with my own company. So did isolating myself. The first time I was ever on stage was to share about my conditions. We ran a fundraiser at our primary school for cystic fibrosis. And part of it was I had to go up on stage as a little five-year-old kid with the teachers explaining why we're all in non-uniform, why we're all donating, what's it all for? Because it isn't like asthma in that when you've got CF, you can cross-infect other people. So I was the only one in the school that was allowed to have the condition. Otherwise, we could make each other worse. So when it happened, I was singled out. You know, it was me, the only one in the school. And I, would, I just completely froze. I only focused on the teacher, couldn't even bear looking at the other kids. They were all sat there in, in the rows that you see at schools and there's me with the teachers at the front and I just, I just froze. You know, this, this little secret that was behind closed doors that nobody knew about, now everyone knew. You know, you went from like the select few kids the friends that aren't just friends, they're kind of like a little bit more than friends, they're your best friends that you could tell them and they wouldn't mind, and then the whole school knew. So the very, not traumatic is the wrong word, because I don't want to downplay actual trauma, but when it's a social thing and you don't want that to happen again, I went into prevention mode, like from an early age. So no stage, no speaking, no presentations, didn't even enjoy standing up in front of like 10 people to give a presentation for say like, you know, when you're in like school or college and one of the sort of tasks that you're given is to present on something. I hated that, absolutely hated it. And it'd only be the teachers there. 
like you go in at your slot you do your presentation in front of like one or two teachers and then i'd still hate that i still dread it i, I wouldn't want to do it i hated it so when that's all started to kick off and it just became easy that was the worst thing the worst thing about the whole thing was keeping to myself not really getting involved like socially not really having you know when you're in like school and you try and find people that are like you like all the cool kids are together all the sporty kids are together all the smart kids are together and then there was me but I was a bit smart, I was a bit sporty, I was a bit popular, but I was never just one thing. I was never just sporty and hated school. I was never just popular because, I don't know, other people wanted to be you to a certain degree. It wasn't, it wasn't made like that. I wasn't made like that. I had friends that were sporty, friends that were popular, friends that were like smart or whatever it was, but it never never merged together because they all had their own little groups so that started to realize well i am different i have got this i have got that like i'm just just me it's the way it is i'll speak to people when i speak to them and i'll treat people like people and and that was it that's how i've gone about my i've gone about my sort of younger years and you know you can sort of carry it with you because it works that's the worst thing is everything that got easier actually works which meant things like public speaking things like podcasts things like writing a book things like speaking on stage they're they're things that i didn't even want to do i didn't even consider doing those things it wasn't even in my way of thinking to want to do that so Cutting a long story short a little bit, I had to change who I was. I had to change the parts about me that, although they worked, although to a certain degree I liked it, I liked it because it was comfortable. So I couldn't discern between what was comfortable and what I liked, which meant I liked being comfortable. And that, that, that was the dangerous thing. That was the thing that stopped me from doing the things that I really wanted to do because I mean, you don't have a lot of like I don't know skills I guess like, I never had anything I was good at like really good at I had things I was average at things I was a bit better than average at but nothing that I was oh my god this is going to be my job oh my god this is going to be my career I didn't have that because the way I sort of saw it was you've got to enjoy life you've got to take life as it comes you've got to just get through the day based on you know waking up medicines treatments go to school or college get back eat family time homework bed up and then do it again i never even considered well, what do you want to do with the rest of your life mike that that was never something that crossed my mind but when it did i also couldn't answer it because i hadn't had the practice I hadn't had the, what can I really do with my life? That was something that I had to learn. I had to figure out for myself, which caused me to go down the journey that you see today. Self-discovery always takes time, right? And no one really able to tell you what to do next. And no. I think many people get lost along the way to discover who they are. Yeah, one of the things that I realized was because I spent so long sort of in my own head, quite a bit as well, um, a lot of it was I was moving towards like positive feedback that you would get, you know, like praise that you would get, right? Like, well done, or that was really good. And because I got bullied a little bit as well, I was moving away from that and moving towards and wanting more of the positive feedback. So I was never really good in school, but I did the extra homework because I wanted to please the teachers. I'd spend hours getting better at something because I knew they would ask questions on it the next day because 
I wanted to please the teachers because it was better than the alternative, which was get bullied. So I'd want to move away from that, i.e. not talk to anyone, not do any of that, because just in case, you know, you don't, you don't want to go down the negative road, so you don't start that process. You don't do that. But when you start getting good feedback from somewhere, that's what you crave and that's what you move towards. And I did that. And I found that I lost myself trying to please others. I forgot who I was because I spent so long trying to please like teachers and family and the people that liked me. I wanted them to keep liking me. So I kept trying to do things for them and please them and do all those things that eventually I got stuck in that cycle and I, I became that person. I became the person that just did things for other people. That combined with having a family that was, I guess, slightly strict or controlling, because they had to be. I have health conditions, therefore I'm vulnerable. Therefore, when you're a parent, you're protective anyway. So imagine that times 100 when your kid's actually potentially struggling anyway. So when you combine all those things, Eventually, I, for, I, didn't re, I didn't learn how to think for myself. Combined with losing myself, trying to please others, perpetuated that because I didn't have to think. I just had to do what they wanted. That was it. Just do what they wanted. So eventually, I lost who I was. I had no idea who I was by the time I finished high school. So I was about, I don't know, 16. And I also didn't know how to answer the questions. I didn't know how to think for myself. I had no idea. Someone said, if you could do anything, like, what would you do? I wouldn't know. I had no imagination, no creativity. It had been conditioned out of me by the time I was like 16 to 18. I had to learn how to learn and learn how to think to be able to keep moving forwards. Yeah, that's very important. I, I understand that and I see... I think they call it um, people pleaser, right? That's that's type of personality. And it's always backstabbing you at some point that, and what do you want in life, right? So Yeah, it's not, not easy at all. It's, um, it's disheartening when I see it happen as well. Uh, this is part of what breeds like unhealthy relationships as well. You know, it happens a lot when... You know, people like the mask that you wear, so you don't want to take it off. Yeah. Because you don't think what's underneath. So if yeah. you try, if, if you become this person and everyone likes that person, you're not going to take it off. You're not going to stop being that person because you might lose friends. You might lose everybody. So people, it's not, while it's not healthy, it's not something you actually want anybody to do. You don't want people to put themselves potentially like struggling, lonely, all those things for the sake of being more of yourself. It just seems a bit like the trade-off isn't the same. Like the positive to negative just doesn't work. You may as well just keep doing what you're doing. Don't change, stay the course and you'll get by you'll do okay. You know, you'll do really well depending on, you know, what kind of persona that you're putting across. But that it was something that I had, I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be that person because it was holding me back. So this was, this isn't a positive mask we're talking about. This is a negative one. And I had, I had some good aspects, but a lot of it was bad. A lot of it was actually stopping me from doing what I wanted to do. When did you discover that this is not something you want to do? I guess it was when, when my, my choices were based on desire. So when I was no longer forced to do something, I still had to figure it out. So when you're in like, when you're younger, so when you're in like, so in the UK, when you're in primary school and high school, essentially your education is given to you. Everything is given to you, done for you. This is what you're learning. This is how you're learning it. That's the way it is, right? But when you get a bit older, you're in like college in the UK, you pick your courses. You have to choose. You have to decide what it is that you want to do. And, you know, I wasn't really good at 
anything. I wasn't, I wasn't a history buff. I didn't, I wasn't amazing at science. I was probably average at a lot. I was like a jack of all trades, sort of maybe good at a few, but I was never, I, it was almost by accident. Like it wasn't because I wanted to do it. I just so happened to be good at science or like maths. It wasn't like, oh my God, I love numbers. I, well, I wasn't one of those people. It was, I just so happened to be good at it. Didn't really want to do it. If I had the choice, which I eventually did, I didn't want to do those things. So when you base your decisions on desire and not being told what to do, that's how you can reinforce the whole thing for yourself. So I'm a big believer in while the ego can be damaging, doing things just because you want to is just as beneficial as having some like monetary gain out of it. Sometimes doing it just for the desire of it can be just as just as beneficial than like, oh, I need to know what to do. Even though you know what to do, doesn't mean you choose to do the right thing. I think we change like individually. Me, myself, three years ago, six months ago, might not have this type of mindset even. It's developed by environment, by people I hang out with, by people I speaking with on daily basis for me to be who I am today even. And that's for me, effect a lot. When you mention about when you want to keep being that person wearing masks because people like you that way. I used to be in that position and I discovered that but hey, this group of friends wasn't the right group I want to hang out with in the future. This environment yeah. wasn't the place where I actually wanted to be. No, that's it. And sometimes, sometimes it's the, the moments when life actually slows down when we start to have those thoughts. So it might sound really weird, but... Boredom can be a funny thing. Mm. When you've got nothing to do and your head sort of slows down, you start to think, you start, your brain starts to wander a little bit and you start to ask yourself like strange questions. Like, what if you didn't do this? And you go, oh, okay, uh, that means I'd have to do this instead or, or this instead or do it this way and do it that way. And very often life moves too quickly to the point where you've got no choice but to go through the motions. We can't process all of that and, and get by at the same time. Mike, from your childhood experience, like until your teenage or something, how that formed you to, to be who you are right now? And do you, say, do you say right now that you are success just yet? So one of the things that I had to realize, and this is just when when you start to achieve things and you start to actually move towards like the visions that you have and the dreams that you have, you've got to figure, have to figure out what the next thing's going to be. You know, I, years ago, I had dreams of like, a world tour, right? So you have to bear with me here, right? I thought, okay, I'm going to write a best-selling book. I'm going to be touring the world. I'm going to have like stadium events. I'm going to be signing books everywhere I went. I'd be like on stages. I'd be stopped on the street. People would want my autograph. I had like, the stupidest like dream in the world. Uh, it was absolutely like out of this world and you know I, I i woke up from it because i had a proper full-on like dream you know i was walking alongside the stadium i was walking in there were banners everywhere with like my great big face on it it was it was all over like the queues of people it was just like oh my, my god and it was like, I really want to do that. That'd be amazing. Oh my God. And then when you start to move towards it, it gets scary. When the dream becomes real, even more real, that's the difficult bit. That's the part that you've got to learn to live with. Because what people don't really realize is the dream's amazing. 
it was it was phenomenal it was completely life-changing but if it stayed a dream i would actually feel better than moving towards it mm-hmm. because once to move towards it it feels real and then you've got the anxiousness that comes with it the fear that comes with it the question that comes with it the am i good enough starts to come into play and that doesn't happen if it stays a dream that doesn't happen if my world tour was to stay a dream it'd be it'd be great you know i'd go to bed i'd have amazing dreams i'd wake up and i would go that's not bad get through the day go back to sleep and have the dream again how amazing it's it's like a dream on repeat all the time how cool would life be it's i'd start to plan naps because i get to do it again you know how many naps you have I i feel like a cat that's what it is i feel like all i'm doing is sleeping why would you do that because the dream is amazing why else almost like the the film um inception you know when you're in the dream to be woken up it's like yes i completely understand but it's different when you move towards it you know one of my dreams was to live abroad nice place where, where i am now currently if if i just kept it as a dream it'd been great moving towards the dream is scary for a couple of reasons it's real it's no longer a dream you don't you don't really know what it's like and then you start questioning whether you can do it whether it should just stay a dream and you've got to say no to that otherwise you won't move towards it because it's actually scary booking the flights, looking for somewhere to live, looking for how to operate your business from a different country, learning how to, because I didn't really fly that much either. So I hate flying. I want to get on a plane, but actually get onto a plane. And that's all scary. Or, Or I could just not go. I could just not do it. How much easier would it be to just not make this dream real? And that's without the fact that, hey, I'm sleeping more now because the dream is so good. So that's where, that's the battle. That's what people don't realize. When people say that it's a mental battle, that's what it's like. It is the anguish. It is the, oh my God, it's real. Oh my God, I can't handle it. Oh my God, what's happening? What is happening? That that's the battle that's what's scary about it it's not about oh everyone freaks out when they do it no you freak out if it's important to you if it's a dream that's important to you and you start to make it real that's a scary thing yeah that's a very good point because if it's not important to you actually you're not gonna feel anything there's no drive. There's no motive. Because like, it's my good. It might make you feel good, but you don't really care to move towards that thing, right? Well, no, that's it. And then this is why, this is why some things are unemotional. They're easier to do. It's not really that taxing emotionally. But when you're making a dream real, there's a lot of risk in there. It feels riskier because it's important. You know, people feel all these like, I want to do a good job. I want to do this and I want to do that. That's because it matters. That's because you care about it. So when you think about how do I think about the dream? How do I think about how can I make this happen? The fact that it's important to you, again, weird how that causes more negativity. Weird how that causes more fear, more anxiousness, more emotion. It's because it matters. So then when, when people are sat there and they go, well, isn't it better then to just not bother? I thought, well, yeah. But there's a difference between it being easier and better. Mm between it being easier and you feeling deep down 
that there's no real better way to live. As weird as that sounds, as philosophical as that sounds, it's like I would rather like fail on fail getting to a mountain, fail trying to get to the top of the mountain than succeed on the ground. Yeah. What if, right? It's a weird paradox whereby the more you care, the more you matter, the more the thing matters that you're trying to go for, the more important it is to you, the more the anguish it is, the more difficult it is, the more complicated it tends to be inside our own heads. It's nothing to do with it being not important. It's the fact that it is. That that's a weird paradox that only people like myself and like yourself and probably people watching this or listening to this is that's the bit that people don't realize. That's why you fail more than you succeed. That's why there are mounds of books out there about feeling the fear and doing it anyway. There's so much about acting scared because it happens all the time because there's no other real way of doing it if it's important you will feel scared you will feel worried if it's big enough and important enough you will freak out the only way you really win that battle inside your own head is to realize that it's for the best reasons it's actually for good reasons yeah and then you start to flip it fear is a good thing all the negativity that you're feeling is actually a good thing because it matters, you care about it, you want to do a good job, you want this to be your life. That does come with all of the emotional like spider web that goes on to be able to make it happen. Yeah, I think that's very important and I feel very true with that because like, I think most of the time, I can say that since last year and until now, I face my own fear a lot and the more I make decisions to face those fears, the more progress I made along the way. Surprisingly, but true. So without taking yeah. that action towards the fear, I wouldn't have accomplished something even because I always keep myself in the safe zone that I feel comfort in a dream, right? <laughs> That's what you just mentioned. Keep dreaming because I feel good, yeah. But I don't dream, by the way. Unfortunately, I don't dream. Well, no, I mean, once, once I started achieving them, it was kind of like there's nothing left. So like, I'm kind of thinking, well, because of the book that I've wrote, the world tours happening is really weird. Yeah, it's virtual. It's through podcasts and events and speaking. And it's all virtual. But the world tours happening. Yeah. And for some weird reason, my brain's like, oh my God, 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 oh my God. That, that's, I'm trying to think how, how many years it's been. It's been, a, it's been 10 years. That you um, have to think about that? Yeah, 10 years ago, I had the dream of the world tour and people wanted my autograph and all those things. It took 10 years. I've, I've attempted four books. I've nearly written two i got near to the end and thought it's not for me <laughs> i was like <laughs> i've wrote like forty thousand words of this book and i i i just don't want to do it anymore and my, my sort of add slash god knows what kind of brain i left have to put up with has turned around and gone no you don't need to write this book and i'm like oh, i've spent so long on them no you don't need to write them it's fine you don't need to write the book. Don't worry about it. You know, like when you start talking to yourself before you eat something that you know that you shouldn't eat. You know, go, yes. <laughs> you won't. It's only a one-off. It's never a one-off. It's only a one-off. You'll be fine. Just, just eat it. You'll be okay. And I'm like, <laughs> in, in my mind, it's like you 
need to write the book. I'm like, no, I really do. I've spent like months on this thing. No, you don't need this. Fine. There'll be another time for you to write a book. And my brain's like, it's almost like just, you know, like, I don't know the, the film that I used to watch. It was the, uh, the Jungle Book, right? And the cartoon when I was little. And the, the snake, you know, the snake that tries to hypnotize the kid, you know, and it's like, you'll be okay. And I'm like, no, no, I need to finish the book. He did. No, you'll be fine. Put the, the laptop down. Turn it off. You don't need to finish the book. I'm like, no, I really do need to. No, you don't need to. So the voice won is what I'm trying to say. Little snake, little demon on, on my sort of shoulder when I'm writing away. And no, you don't need to finish the book. I'm like, okay, I won't finish the book. So that book never, never happened. This one wants to happen, though. This one needs to happen. This one has been on my mind for about a year and I've got the mental space to be able to do it. So no, your friends. So I'm just trying to I'm just trying to, just trying to not let the voice stop me again. How this um, one is different from other books that you have attempted. It's different because it's not just about me. It's different because like the, the last book that I almost written that was a fiction book. Oh. Which meant meant that my brain could go wild. It was about a guy that decided to go off on his travels, travel the world, and write about his experiences in a journal. So he was a big journaler. So I was able to say, like, he could go on a ship, he could climb a mountain, he'd go underwater, he could do this, he could do that. So my brain got into like Harry Potter mode when it was just throwing stuff at this guy and he would write the lessons and the stories that he would learn. And I'm writing like 10,000 words in a day and I'm like typing away because my brain's like, oh, he could do this, he could do that, he could do this and this could happen, this could happen, this could happen and he meets loads of people, he does this, he does that. Where with this one, it's about me is really 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 weird because everything that i've done from the coaching the tennis coaching the personal training everything is about helping somebody else is why i think i was put here was to help people it's why i'm allowed to stay alive for as long as i have is because i'm trying to help as many people as i can give more than i take and the only reason why i started the book was because I put the idea out there and people said they would read it. So I didn't just sit and decide to write this book out of a sense of look at me, look at what I've done. It was okay. This is an idea. Let's see if anyone, anyone would read it. Anyone wants to read it. You know, I've, I've got people that are reading it as I'm writing it and giving me feedback on each of the chapters to help me sort of make sure the book's good. And if I didn't get anybody... I probably wouldn't be writing the book. Mm. Wouldn't actually happen because I do more for other people than I do for myself. But then because I've got this element of choice involved, I can still have some control over it. So what that means is like when people ask for like my help for free or people ask for something, right? And I go, right, well, how I've chosen to do that is this, this, and this. So it's a little bit on the selfish side, but the reason is because I'm doing it for everybody else. So I balance the people-pleasing side of me. It's always going to be there. I'm always going to try and please someone more than I'm going to, you know, do more for others than you do for yourself, attributes of a people pleaser. But the difference is, is because I choose how I do that, I choose how I please people. Whether they are pleased or not, I can't control that. Mm. Because I the the ability to choose what I do to please people in some weird twisted way, it works. And it isn't as unhealthy as the whole, what do you want to do? I can do that for you. What do you want me to do? I can do that for you. What do you want me to do? I can do that for you. I sit back and I go, these are the ways that I am going to help people. These are the ways that I'm going to try to please people. And if it just so happens to not work, I'm sorry about that. You know, so I think that it just makes things 
easier when I've got control over the people-pleasing aspect. But when I'm trying to do something new or I'm trying to put something out, if no one's going to read it, it doesn't seem worth it. But if one person reads it, it is. If one person benefits, it is worth it. So that's kind of how I've coped, I guess. That's how I've allowed myself to sit and go, look, you've got at least 10 people that want to read this book. You've got to write it. You've got people waiting. You've got people wanting this book. So the accountability, the people pleasing aspect of me goes, well, I've got to sit down and do it. I've got no other choice. Just people want it. Uh, I have to force myself to to not go down the unhealthy road of like every day sit there and write it every day sit there and write it because my brain can go that way I can get quite focused and quite sort of tunnel vision and um, if I sit I can write every day I could sit there and I write every day because people want it people need it and the people pleaser goes will write it then and I sit there and I'm just writing away. I can do that and I can write and I could do it all. And then I go, oh, well, no one, no one actually wants to read it. So I've Aww. wasted energy and wasted the time before anyone's gone, yeah, we'll read that. And then when you look into how to market a book, how to tell people about the book, how to do all those things that I've learned over the course of nearly three years of podcasting now is that's what you do anyway. You get people excited and involved and they want to read, they want to learn, they want to benefit from your experience. Then you go, ah, I've got customers, I've got people that want to read this thing. Now I'll start writing it. And that, that's what the journey's been like. It's weird because there's a part of me that would have just wrote it. And I've got to reel that person in. I've got to reel that people-pleasing aspect of me in. Otherwise it affects my health. I, I lose sleep. I don't exercise. I don't think. I don't eat properly. I went through a phase of writing this, uh, the old book. I would write for a day and I would make one or two sandwiches and that would last me all day because I was so focused on writing, I'd forget I was hungry. That's how like crazy it gets. And if you know me well enough, you know that after breakfast, I'm planning my lunch. After lunch, I'm planning my dinner. After dinner, I'm planning all the other snacks and meals in between. So for me to like forget to eat is a rarity. So oh. when it starts to happen, that's when it starts to kick in. And I start to sit and I go, you forgot to eat for four hours. How on earth have you managed to forget to eat, Mike, for four hours? There's something wrong with your brain when you can do that. And it, it started to feel unhealthy because main reason being, of course, is that if you do that consecutively, yeah. You, you you do start to crumble health-wise. So I have to rein that in. I have to. I've got no choice. So it helps to be busier. I'm a lot busier now than what I was. So I go, no, I can't write the book today because I've got this. I've got meetings. I've got this. I've got podcasts. I've got this and this and this. So I've not got the time to write. So in some ways, I kind of chock-a-block my week so that I can only write like once or twice a week. Because if I wasn't busy, I'd be, re I'd be writing. Mm. So it kind of fills your diary enough so that you, your brain can't switch off to be able to write. You can't write, you haven't got the time, and then you've not got the energy. And then I go, well, that's not too bad. I mean, you know, one day a week, two days a week, I could, I could write the book easy. Otherwise, it would be the other way and it starts to get unhealthy. So this is why like coping mechanisms can be really, really helpful. I know there's a negative like vibe towards coping mechanisms, but if there's no repercussions, if you're coping mechanisms, there's no harm in them. If your coping mechanism only affects you, there's no issue. It's how you get by and how you live knowing full well 
of what your tendencies are. You know, I'm full aware, fully aware of my tendencies to just give everything. And then I go, well, how can I live? Just give everything. But then how can I survive and get by over here? So that's something that I have to deal with. Um, and yeah, it's a constant balancing act. I think put yourself first is very important. And without yourself being healthy, I, I personally couldn't do anything else, like for real. And I also one of the person who gets sick quite often, unfortunately. But yeah, for me, two sandwiches, I can stay for a whole day already. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not... It, it's not... That's like it, almost my whole day meal. <laughs> it's not healthy. It's not good. And from my personal trainer days as well, I realized that like the harder you exercise, the harder you work and the harder you push yourself, you've actually got to spend longer on like stretches and recovery yeah. and sleep. So the harder you work, the more you do, the more taxing your day is, you want to spend longer on the self-care. Mm. But if you don't walk without any podcasts playing, without any music on, without anything taking my like energy away, if I don't do that every day, even even like it's weird, right? It's really weird. A 10-minute walk is enough. And it's only 10 minutes. But sometimes I have days when I go, it's only 10 minutes. What's the point in getting ready for a walk that's only going to take 10 minutes? <laughs> that go, is laziness. <laughs> I'm sat, <laughs> I've sat down and I've had, the, I've had like a 10 to 20 minute conversation <laughs> with myself, convincing myself that going for a 10 minute walk is a good idea. And I've got what you, you need. You, you need to reset yourself. You need to relax. You need to blow off the cobwebs. You need to do all those things. And that's what the walk does. That's what, and I'm sat there and I go, well, you know all this. It's your job to know all of this. How can you not get this right? And I'm, sat, I'm just, just like, oh, it's a 10 minute walk. It's ten, it's ten, what, what, what's the point in a 10 minute walk? And then you realize the 10 minute walk is actually a 20 minute walk because you spend so long talking yourself around and talking yourself into some kind of messy ball that you need the longer walk to be able to reset yourself so then you can go again. So it's amazing how it's amazing how it's actually harder to do and yet more important. Mm. How People say, oh, I've not got the time to exercise. You're that stressed out. You're that anxious. You need to exercise. You've got to, you just have to fit it in. You know, I'm so like amped up and I'm switched on all day. If I don't walk or I don't nap or I don't meditate, I explode. Mm. So I where energy to go? So I've got to do something to regulate myself to be able to perform in that way. I, I agree. I meditate every day. Like, and it's not, I mean, it's not happened overnight though. I, I'm, I kind of like at the time that I do things that I don't like, I can go sleep very easy. But at the sleeping time that I supposed to sleep, I couldn't. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, five minute meditation for me used to be very hard, but right now, it increased by time. I can do like 30 minutes if I really wanted like one hour, really refresh my day and it changed my life to have mindfulness. Yeah, it's amazing what it's amazing what benefits can happen once it starts to get easier. Mm. You know, you've got to get through the, the learning curve and the growing pains and the, am I doing this right? If you can get through all of that, the, the, the results are on the other end of that. Yeah. It's very hard to get the results until you get to that point, until it stops being a chore and you realize the benefits and then everything starts to shift after that. Yeah. So let's talk about your new book. Like um, it's coming out, right? And where can people get it then? 
yeah, the, the book is out mid-November. It's the lessons from the first time I spoke on stage and the second time, you know? Like the, the sort of difference between the first time you do something scary to the second time you do something scary. I go into how being diagnosed with diabetes was what changed my life. And it was actually losing a friend. One of my friends passed away that had those conditions before I did. So he passed away with the conditions. Then I was diagnosed. So there's a whole mortality sort of story that goes into that. Um, starting my podcast, traveling, moving abroad. I cover all of the, the scary moments, if you will, and how they've shaped me, how they've taught me to be who I am today you know someone that is interviewing influencers and celebrities someone that does travel someone that does have a successful business you know businesses with an s at the end and it is it's a cross between just my life which is a bit weird to say out loud but because of the lessons involved and you're learning from someone that's actually lived it, not like a, not a self-help or mindset person that took a weekend course and decided to call themselves a coach. We're talking about someone that's had to live it, that's had to put themselves in situations whereby I've had no other choice. And this has been one of the common themes for me is you can read about it you can learn about it but one of the quotes that i want to sort of end with is you know saying something a thousand times isn't as good as doing it once i would never have needed to practice what i preached unless i did those things i can't tell you how much i had to practice what i preach just to step on stage you know like a month before a week before three days before on the day you know like the talk was in the evening and i talked you through my morning routine and my evening routine the night before because that's when it starts and i take people behind the scenes i talk about the fact that i could hardly walk up the stairs i talk about the fact that i don't remember what i spoke about i do all of that because that's what's inside the head of someone that's living it and that's what the book's about. Wow. Looking forward to read that book, actually. And yeah, congratulations again. Yeah, thanks for that. And th there is a waiting list as well. So for those of you that are like, I want to know when it comes out. I don't want to wait. I want to get it on the, the discounted rate in terms of money as well, because it's going to go out cheaper than what it ends up as. Uh, those of you that know how the book game works, Amazon based their bestseller lists on number of sales in a certain amount of time. So full transparency, you are going to be helping me get an Amazon best-selling book, but you save money, you get access to all the lessons and stories that I share, and you also get some goodies for those that buy and review, and review the book as well. So it is going towards like me becoming a best-selling author, um, you know, just I thought I'd put that out there and let people know that's why I'm doing it. Uh, that's why I'm doing the waiting list. Otherwise, I, w I wouldn't do it. But I've realized that there are people signing up to it. There are, so this is, again, getting back to what I said before with the people want it. And I feel this level of responsibility because I care to actually put the book out there and, and make it work. So when I got my first person... I was like, okay, let's do this. I got the validation that, that I, I, I wanted. I got the, this book's wanted, this book's needed, and let's do it. So I've got loads of people on the list now, and it just makes me want to do a good job. It makes me want to do the best I can for those people. So yeah, there is a bit of an agenda with it, I'm not going to lie, but it gave me the sense of, I can actually help these people by writing the book. Yeah, you are doing amazing, Mike. It has been very surreal, I guess. It's been very like, humbling as well. Because when you, 
when you put things out there, you don't always get the sort of return. You don't always get the feedback. You don't always get the, yes, I want to do it. I want to get involved. You don't always get that. And this is one of the rare moments when not only am I ready to share it, not only am I in a position whereby you know, I've ticked a few things off my so-called success list, you know, like I've won Entrepreneur of the Year a few years ago. I moved abroad. I've I've achieved things off my like vision board from ten years ago, and there aren't enough people talking about someone that actually doesn't just have the dream but actually moves towards it, actually starts the fear thing, the scary thing, which is not just keeping it as a dream, not just having it as the nice to have, not just having it as the feel good factor. That's why people believe in stuff that don't exist because it makes people feel good. You know, I'm not some, I would like ghosts to be real, but so far they're not. You know, I, I would like there to be like a God and things happen after I die because it makes people feel good. It would be great for it to be true. It would. I know that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy to say that I don't know that. Yeah, you and don't know that. I, you never know. Like that, 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 that's my stance on it. My stance isn't you never know, so it is. My stance is you don't know. I'm happy for people to learn that having it as a dream is okay not everyone is supposed is going to make their dream real not everyone is going to do that but i've had new dreams that's the funny thing once you start the dream to no longer be a dream and your brain fills it with something else you go, oh wouldn't this be cool and i go all right we'll give it a go so it doesn't it doesn't stay set in stone it doesn't just sort of stay as it is it's something that changes it moves all the time and that that's that's the life that's what you're learning you're learning about the life of someone that doesn't just have a dream that doesn't just have a nice to have but starts to make it tangible and starts to make it something you can actually achieve is amazing and thank you for always inspiring everyone including myself every time I get to speak to you yeah it's always motivated thank you so much for joining me today yeah no problem i really enjoyed it hey get unstuck family thank you so much for listening to this episode don't forget to subscribe and give us honest review we really appreciate you If you would like to learn more about my research or my client experience on weekly basis, you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter at beforeyouscale.com. And don't forget to get unstuck.